Hi, everybody. Welcome back to She Sip With It podcast. I'm your host, Britt, and today we have very special guest, Anna. Hi, Anna. Hi. How are you? <laughs> Good. How are you? I'm so excited to see you. Yes, I am very excited to be here as well. <laughs> All right. So to start off, we're just kind of going to get to know Anna a little bit, who she is, you know, professionally, personally, where she's from. Um, and then we'll dive into kind of more of her like career development and how identifying as a Latina kind of intertwines with all that. Sure. Yes, absolutely. So um, I'm trying to think where to start. And I think the best place to start would be I was um, born and raised in Mexico. I was born in Sinaloa and then through a series of unfortunate but somehow very fortunate events, I moved to Ensenada where um, I grew up in Tijuana for a little bit. And then at around the age of 13, as my mom was trying to just get herself at the only at the age of 23 with her three kids to safety, she decided that she was going to come to America. So um, she gets over to America, of course, through the desert. And she doesn't really know where to go. But a couple of my aunts were already in Southern California. Right. So we wanted to stay close to family. And I was 13 when we decided to come over to America and I grew up in Orange County. Mm-hmm. So I lived around Santana and Anaheim and we have a really rich, rich Latino community down there. Mm-hmm. Um, we're so close to the border. Right. And um, growing up there, I went to high school that was about 99 percent Latino. So that was uh, pretty interesting. And <laughs> I thought the whole world was like that, actually. <laughs> I thought all of California was like that. Um, and for college, actually, was when I moved up to Northern California. So mm-hmm. that's what brings me here to the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. And um, after that, I started working with a company here um, that's in the Bay Area, which is what kind of forced me to stay here because I, I wanted to go back home with my family. Um, but, yeah, that's that's what brought me here. And that career itself was uh, not really my calling, but now, of course, through a series of very fortunate events, I'm working within the space of diversity and inclusion. And um, being a Latina, I think for sure, plays a big part on doing my role. Definitely. And so what, um, like as of now, what do you consider your professional identity to be? And what is kind of your title on what uh, what you do for work? Sure. So my professional identity is made out of multiple multiple elements I would say Mm -hmm. um at the moment I can't really say that my professional identity is fully established Mm -hmm. because I'm making a complete career transition so I'm coming from auditing so I used to be an accountant oh wow um and I think back then my identity was mainly focused on um stability financial stability Mm -hmm. I think being a first generation immigrant um, growing up in a single mother household, right, being the eldest of three children, I always knew that in order for my family to succeed, my success also had to happen, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I think I pushed uh, away a lot of my passions when I was in college, and I just thought, mm-hmm. okay, what can bring in financial stability? So um, I always knew that I was very bright, so I told myself, okay, whatever I decided to do, Whatever I decide to do, it's it's going to happen. So I went into work into accounting, and then I was there for two years, and I was actually quite miserable. Um, and then after that, I took a break, and I said, okay, what do I want to do? And my focus was in gender and um, equity. I kept saying to myself, okay, I'm going to work with gender and equity. And I didn't even know diversity and inclusion was a was a booming field at that at that moment. Um, but somehow I got introduced to it. And as of right now, I am, I work with ideas. I'm an ideas advocate. Mm-hmm. And ideas stands for inclusion, diversity, equity, accessibility, and social justice. Oh, wow. Yes. I did not know that. You learn something new every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, it's, it's really interesting, actually, in the industry. The reason that I chose to work with a company that I'm currently working with right now, they're called Inclusion Next Work, and mm-hmm. they're based off of Washington, D.C., but of course, they're trying to expand out to other parts. Um, but they do a really good job of realizing that in order to make a change, it takes more than just diversity and inclusion, right? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe in the workplace, um, it has to be narrowed down a little more, but in order to actually make 
societal changes and to go out there and impact communities you need to take into consideration other um topics right like equity which is very different from just thinking about equality Mm -hmm. which is really different from just thinking about okay what's diversity what's intersectionality and then at the end of it comes accessibility right and accessibility can mean anything from um you know physical accessibility or disability but more importantly people who have um privilege right they they have certain access i would say more access um than other individuals right Mm -hmm. so it's incredibly important to take that into consideration and of course to just bring it all back together is it's diversity and equity inclusion again comes down to social justice yeah and i feel like you um from many of the latinas that i have already interviewed all regardless of even if their title is you know diversity and inclusion they still are somehow a part of that like one way or another they want to be very inclusive and they want to make sure that we're represented yeah so and i think it's and it's just funny because i mean none of you you know are connected in any way but like every single woman i've spoke to has a strong connection to that yeah no absolutely and honestly I (laughs) I need to have conversations with these women as well because um, I think it's really hard to find Latinos or people who are part of the Latinx community out in diversity and inclusion right or in the equity field work and it makes you wonder why Mm -hmm. right why are there it's a industry where you're advocating and you're trying to create opportunities and you're educating other people on the realities and experiences of underrepresented minorities, right? Mm-hmm. But these m- minorities are not there to speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's it's very complicated, um, but at the same time, it's actually very simple. And I think it's because people are not giving the opportunities or the accessibility to get to those to those roles right in order to advocate for their own people to step up and get to those roles Mm -hmm. as well definitely and I think that kind of intertwines with the next question I have which is do you feel like your identity as a Latina has ever you know affected you professionally or is it has it ever affected you in advancing um yes absolutely and um I think my identity as a Latina has for sure been very prominent since even my decisions in college. So in college, um, even what led me to kind of decide what I wanted to major in, um, I went into college wanting to major in psychology, Mm -hmm. right? I wanted to help young children work through trauma and learn to communicate. But I kept hearing over and over, what are you going to do with a degree in psychology, Mm. right? Um, And then as the years went by, my student loans kept accumulating. So then there was fear. There was a lot of fear actually where I was thinking to myself, okay, what am I going to do next? So then I was, okay, economics, you know, Mm. sounds like something that can give me stability. And um, I think, Growing up in a single mother household and being the eldest of three and, of course, being a first generation immigrant and now first generation college student, um, I wanted to make sure that there was stability for when I got out of college. Mm -hmm. Um, So then after that, I I was very determined. So I said to myself, "Okay, my next step after college is going to be working with a company that can give me and my family that stability. Mm -hmm. Um, So I went into work into auditing um, and when I was working as an accounting, as an accountant, uh, those were the two most miserable years of my life. Wow. Really? Yes. Um, and I do not exaggerate when I say miserable. Um, I think naturally, I'm really good at working with social and emotional intelligence and communicating with people. And I knew that, right? I wanted to do that since I went to college, but again, this this fear of I had to pave a way f- for myself, and nobody was going to do that, and I had people relying on me, um, and also my own expectations on myself. Mm-hmm. So um, I go into the company, and accounting is as far this as you can get from social and emotional (laughs) intelligence and communication so 
I get there and I am miserable, but of course I'm still sticking it out because I made it this far. And then I get there, but also there's not a lot of people that come from similar backgrounds like me. You know, there were some people of color, but you hardly saw any members of the Latinx community and you hardly saw any black folks. Um, it was just, it was really a lonely kind of experience. Mm. Um, Almost like kind of feeling like an outsider in a way. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Feeling like an outsider, um, not being able to relate to anybody, like the struggle of feeling isolated and the struggle that nobody really understood the pressures that I had to take with myself back home, mm-hmm. right? The pressures of knowing that my family was counting on me, that as my paychecks were coming in, um, I was using, I was giving half of that to my mom so she can help support herself. I was helping my little sister as well, right? And I was trying to survive and pay rent in the Bay Area. Yeah, yeah. that is hard. Yeah. I don't know how you did that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know how I did that either. (laughs) I don't. But um, yeah, it's it's helped. It's helped um, because maybe not financially, Mm -hmm. but it's helped a lot with kind of gaining confidence and um, knowing that now if I'm not 100 percent financially where I want to be, I'm still going to be okay. Yeah. And then when did that moment come for you where you like, I cannot do this anymore? Like, I cannot be miserable anymore. Like, when did that like... Like epiphany? Epiphany, yes. When did (laughs) like that epiphany happen? And you were like, I, it's not worth whatever my paycheck may be of me being so miserable every day. Yes. Um, (laughs) it came on a specific day, actually. And, um, I kind of... If I can say anything, I kind of wish it would have hit sooner because at the moment I'm actually very injured physically. So um, I have a spinal injury because I was working 18 hours a day, seven days a week. Wow. And um, I just pushed myself, right? Just trying to really get ahead. And I kept telling myself, this is this is only momentarily. Um, I come from nothing. I don't really know where to take take my career next. Um, I've always been really determined and very sociable. So I kept telling myself, in order for me to find out what to do next, I need to speak to people who have done it. Because even though I had my mother's support, right, my family's support, she, my mother didn't finish high school because she was pregnant with me. So I had her emotional and moral support, but I needed to go out there and meet other people and ask them, how 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 did you get here? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, uh, like, what do you do? Do you like what you do? And in order to ask these questions, I needed time. And I think that's when I realized I need to step away from this. Um, my mental health was not in a good state. And it's kind of crazy, Britt, but um, this is actually very common. Um, the firm is, or the company that I used to work for, kind of really took advantage of the fact that there's a lot of people who were first-generation white-collar workers or even people on visas, mm-hmm. right? And um, they knew that, the American dream is something very real for a lot of us, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of us had a lot of people depending on us. Um, and a lot of us wanted to move along the ladder and survive in the Bay Area, right? But um, that I think that's what kind of kept me there. But to go back to what you were asking about the day that um, I came to this realization was um, my little sister had moved up to the Bay Area to live with me. Okay. Um, yeah, and I'd, I'd love to go into the story a little more um, in detail, but she moved up and she basically spent a year with me but had to go back a year after because I didn't have the time to spend time with her. Mm. And she was up here to kind of help herself develop as a professional, as a very young professional. She was only 18. Mm. And she was also up here to kind of work out her mental health, you know, and mm-hmm. I wasn't able to be part of that. Um, And more than anything, once I prioritized giving time to getting to network with other people and other individuals who were much more ahead in their career, I realized, okay, um, I think I'm fearful because I don't know. And I don't know because I don't give the time to explore. So I told myself I am allowed this, even though I don't have financial stability, even though if I go broke tomorrow nobody will catch me right Mm -hmm. I still have to be my own safety net and take this risk and that's that's what helped me wow I mean (laughs) that's heavy (laughs) I'm like trying (laughs) to take that all in right now but I think 
it's so important for people to realize like, yes, obviously being financially stable is important, but like your mental health and your happiness is so important. And I remember thinking if I jump, I will die and nobody will catch me. Yeah. Right. Um, but I jumped and and you're and, okay. And you're okay. right here. I'm alive. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, um, I see right now a lot of my friends who are in our our age, you know, they're mm-hmm. young professionals. Um, they've only maybe had one or two jobs out of college and they realizing that they don't like what they do, but this fear of I've invested so much time, right? I don't come from a background where I have the advantage or I don't have the luxury actually that's a better word I don't have the luxury to take risks or to change a career whenever I feel like right mm-hmm. they don't think those are things that we can possibly do or that can, we can afford to do mm-hmm. um and I feel like sadly it does it does interfere with finding a more meaningful life a more meaningful career mm-hmm. yeah so it's it's important to to I think share your story right so other yeah. people can know that it's safe to jump Definitely. Um, do you feel that being a Latina ever comes up in the workplace? And if it does, like how so? Like in what way? Yes. Um, being a Latina, of course, comes up in the workplace because uh, it's something you carry with you, right? Mm-hmm. Your values, mm-hmm. physically even. Um, and I think back when I was doing auditing, it came up in a more negative way. Mm. I think I was much more stereotyped. Um, I even carried a very heavy heavy imposter syndrome with me Mm. um, because there was not a lot of people like me, right? It was my first job straight out of college. So of course you're nervous. Mm -hmm. You're nervous. You don't know what you're doing. Part of you thinks, God, did I get this job out of luck, right? Yeah, on accident. (laughs) On accident. (laughs) Are they going to find out? But then um, I think slowly just gaining that confidence mm-hmm. um I, I knew that I had to step away because it was not me um I knew I was very hardworking. um I've always worked to educate myself to learn from myself to be a kind person right and I just was not feeling like myself there so I had to step away and see okay how would it be different but now how Latina comes up in my work with diversity and inclusion. It's, it's my biggest asset, Mm -hmm. you know, um, basically I'm in a field where my experience and my empathy and my different perspectives, you know, are what helps me be successful on a day-to-day basis. Part of why I am working so hard with establishing myself within this industry is one, because I know my experiences, um, and my knowledge and just the person who I am overall helps me. Of course, it's it's not all, right? Um, diversity and inclusion is based on intersectionality and understanding a lot of different things. I will never understand what it's like to live on a day-to-day basis being, you know, a queer black woman because that is not who I am. Mm-hmm. That is a completely different experience, you know? But in my job, I have to learn um how to build a space so those people can have a voice so those people can ask for what they need in order to be successful in Mm -hmm. specific workplaces right yeah so again it is a great asset um but i think mainly it helps me learn that i know other latinos might have not had the same experiences as me right Mm -hmm. so it makes me want to step back and allow other individuals to also bring in their perspectives and bring in their stories. Yeah, definitely. And do you feel, well, not do you feel, have you ever experienced um, any type of discrimination because of your identity? And this could be like both professionally or personally, just in general in your life experiences. Yes, (laughs) I I think, yes, I have. Um, And I think the most the example that comes to my head right away was when I was working again back in accounting. And um, one of the hardest times of my life was last year um, and last year. So my little sister, she graduated from high school mm. and she decided she did not want to go to college and she was not ready for college. 
And my mom is incredibly supportive of all of our decisions. That's awesome. Yeah. No, it's it's great. But unfortunately, um, I am very well aware of what it means to be a Latino in this country. And my little sister is a first generation as well, just like me. Right. So what does it mean to not have a degree? Right. And a degree means a lot of opportunities. So I told her, you know, give me a chance. I'm stable. I'm currently supporting you down in Southern California. So why don't you just come up to the Bay Area? You know, it's very driven up here. Um, People are always working on something new. I'm surrounded by amazing friends who are so smart. Just come up here. So she came up here to the Bay Area and she lived with me. Um, But again, as I mentioned earlier, she was kind of, trying to push and get better with her mental health Mm -hmm. um so i can't really see my sister i'm working really long hours on the daily i basically come home she's asleep i leave in the morning she's asleep Mm. right i'm not taking time to spend with her and she's new to the area she's new to her college she doesn't really have a lot of friends and again she comes from a city that's so richly latinx and now she's in san mateo you know which is (laughs) yeah yes so um i can see day by day how she's just a little bit more uncomfortable or sometimes she's better so it's halloween night right and i had been working really hard the entire week because i told myself i am going to go home and spend it with my little sister the company that i work for it was a it was a big four and um the company is separated by big clients right Mm -hmm. so it's we have the big tech clients the names that everybody knows and those usually have the big budgets and they're located in san francisco and for some reason brit those were full of white individuals those Mm -hmm. teams were made out of white individuals in the company and then you have the clients that are all the way down to san jose right they're in the middle of the peninsula you're working hours from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. on a good day, you know, and there's a very small budget. And those teams were made out of people of color and individuals on visas, Mm -hmm. right? So surprisingly and interestingly enough, for the first time ever, I was in on one of those small teams that were working long hours. Uh I was put on the big team. And my mentor at that time in that company had really worked for me to get there, right? So of course... There's not a lot of people of color and there's about only two Latinos. And it was the first, it was my first time ever working with any other Latino. And I had already been with the company for a year and a half. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, it's Halloween night and basically I remember everybody was so excited in the morning to go home, but to go home early, right? Mm -hmm. We're all really young. We're all in our twenties. So people want to go home and they want to spend time with their loved ones. And I'm thinking to myself, finally, I know my little sister loves Halloween. So let's spend some time. So I finish my work early and I tell my boss, Hey, I'm going to head out because I'm going to go trick or treat with my little sister. Mm -hmm. So I walk outside the hallway and I'm going to say bye to everybody, but everybody has this like sad look on their face. And I'm asking what's happening and they're saying we're gonna order dinner they want us to work the whole night and I am thinking to myself okay I saw this coming yeah it's it's just a big four has a really horrible culture that I feel is not spoken about Mm -hmm. a lot um and they really do not believe in work-life balance um so I said, you know what? All my work is done. I'm going to head out. So I head out for the night. Everybody decided to stay, but I decided to be a rebel just for like, you know, one day out of the year. So I go home and then I spend a lovely time with my sister. I come back at the end of the project with this team. I get a performance review. And on my performance review, a manager, a manager who I had not spoken more than 50 words with, um, writes this really long, long review saying, Anna did not perform to standards. Her work was not completed. And it was mentioned by other teammates that she would leave home early. And all of that was a lie. Oh my gosh. I'm rolling my eyes right now. So (laughs) you guys can't see me, but. (laughs) Oh, I was furious. I remember feeling so much impotence, right? Because when I saw that review, um, we, the firm is so big, right? They invest a lot in, 
so-and-so quote-unquote mentorship right mm-hmm. um but then i asked my mentor at that time can you help me what what do i do when there lies on a paper and i know that this performance review like any other performance review in any other company means opportunity right means mm-hmm. uh having a voice you get to advocate for yourself by saying hey this piece of paper says that i do a really good job for the company right mm-hmm. um and my mentor says you know i know this person who wrote your review and um they're really stubborn and if they wanted to they can they can squish you if they wanted to and i remember thinking to myself you know maybe this person's a human maybe if i jump on a phone call with them you know and explain to them actually i think you might have the wrong person yeah because uh you you only spoke uh like two sentences to me the entire five months that i was working with you on this team um but my mentor basically said, unless you're going to call to apologize, I wouldn't even try. Apologize. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And basically, um, end of the story, I decided to not do anything for that, for that specific situation. But it was really sad because I knew that one, I was a very hard worker and two, that I knew that my work had been done very well and that there were so many nights that I had stayed late to work Mm -hmm. that I didn't get to spend time with my sister. And then to kind of just to prove what I had thought, which was this team was full of white individuals, right? But I was the one Latina and I stand very strongly by my values. So for me, um, sucking up or kiss assing was Mm -hmm. never really um something that i appreciated or something that i honestly is just was not worth my time so i didn't really practice that i did my work i got out and um i thought that i was being discriminated right especially because i was at such a low level and i was being attacked Mm -hmm. by this person who was in a a manager position which Mm -hmm. is held really highly in the company but then about two months later there was another latino in that team do you remember how i mentioned that Mm -hmm. it was my first time working with a latino so they were a first year associate and what that means is that they had just graduated college okay and they were fresh out of college working on this engagement right and this other individual i could tell when they first got there you know sometimes you get to a workplace and you don't see a lot of people like you. So you want to act very professional and mm-hmm. you want to say, you know, I, I belong here. So I'm going to work really hard. Right. Mm-hmm. And this person worked really hard. And I remember them, you know, going above and beyond and never putting their guard down, always keeping that professionalism because it was a client client facing industry. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I hear that he was also taken out of the team. And the reasoning behind that was because his work was not, up to standards oh, gosh. so tell me why it was that the only two latinos in the team were kicked off and we were both disliked by the same manager um so yeah i think that's one time one out of the many times that i felt very discriminated yeah um and i, I took it very personal because again it was time that i didn't get to spend with my little sister and more importantly, I think this individual who took offense to me live, leaving one night early home did not understand the emotional kind of baggage that I had to carry myself being a 23-year-old helping raise her 18-year-old little sister, right? Mm-hmm. Because one, mom couldn't afford to raise her back home, and two, mom didn't have the understanding of what is needed to create a safe space for mental health, right? Yeah. So, um, and that's a thing. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of, you know, corporate world, like sometimes they just take out the human aspect of life and work. And it's like at the end of the day, like our job is not our whole entire life. Like there's a lot of other things we have, family, friends, you know, just like self-care, take care of your mental health. All those things are so important. I feel like in a lot of the corporate world, they don't take any of that into consideration. No, they don't. And what they also don't take into consideration is that statistics and studies actually show that people of color and women always have that extra um, emotional labor that comes every single day just because of their identity, right? Mm-hmm. They 
women, especially if their mothers at work, they go on a day-to-day basis, of course, trying to work, trying to get their work done, but they also have in the back of their head children, right, food, all these other things. Mm -hmm. Um, And same thing for people of color, people who tend to be, even if they don't experience discrimination on a day-by-day basis, people who are part of minority groups tend to have this higher anxiety because they know that the part of groups that they're part of tend to be discriminated, Mm -hmm. you know? So all of that emotional stress that has to be carried on with you is just, it's very exhausting. And to bring back to that kind of physical injury that I have at this moment, all of this was an accumulation of all of that exhaustion of having to get through this corporate world, having to advance my career, Mm -hmm. not being happy where I was, but also not being able to leave because my family was financially dependent on me. Mm -hmm. But I think people saw a 23 year old and they thought, Oh, you know what, what kind of stress can she possibly? Yeah. Oh, she's so young. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. And so you, you know, you, you touched on your family and you said, you know, your mom is very supportive with all your decisions, which is amazing. Um, so do you, like, what is the main things that help support you in, you know, like, just like getting your education or like moving on to new jobs? Like what really helped, like supported you through that process? Yes. Um, my mom, of yeah. course. <laughs> yes. As you just mentioned, um, I think, um, it's really important to build a support system for yourself. And I think initially I did not know what that meant, but my mom and my family have really been a big support because I believe to be an example for them. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but also, as I mentioned, no matter what I decide to do, or if I decide to have a crazy idea tomorrow, I know my, my mother is always going to be there supporting me. And I think that at the end of the day, let's, let's sleep at peace. And I know that might not be every, everybody's, um, situation, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of folks out there might not have grown up with parents or with parents that were very supportive. And, um, I think as somebody who grew up without a dad, I've had to educate myself and what does that mean? And what am I lacking in that area, right? And how how do I build that one within myself? And how do I build that with my friends? How do I build that with my professional network? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Wow, that's a very healthy way to deal with things. Because um, I feel like, yeah, and we forget that, you know, if you you know, happen to have a family that's not supportive or, you know, you just, you happen, you don't have parents. It's like, you can always build that support system on your own. And it's like, there's so many amazing people out there that would support you and like friends that really turn into family. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And again, um, it comes with, um, inner work, right. And then afterwards you, you learn how to give little pieces of the baggage that you're carrying to people who have become part of your support group. And, if I can share anything with, I think, the young Latinx community that's coming or anybody out there is, I got some great advice when I was in high school. Um, and in shorter terms, it just basically means to educate yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Educate yourself. Um, when I was in high school, a great teacher of mine, my English teacher, she said to myself, she was actually a black woman. And I didn't really have a lot of friends in high school. So I would go in at lunch and I would just eat with her and we talk about a lot of things but she told me once and this was about the time that I was going to leave and graduate to go to to college she said Anna you need to educate yourself on what it means to be you and she said when you figure out what it means to be a woman of color a first generation immigrant a first generation college student have grown have grown up in a single mother household right when you know what that means when you know how that is supposed to hurt you nobody can come and tell you who you are Mm -hmm. nobody can come and stereotype you nobody can come and put you in a box because you're already going to be very aware of those things yeah wow shout out to your english teacher (laughs) (laughs) no she is she is amazing yes so, I mean, touching on support, do you consider yourself to be a role model um, for, I mean, it could be for the Latinx community, Latina woman or woman of color in general? Yes. Um, I don't walk around every day thinking I, I'm, of course, a role model, <laughs> yeah. um, but I do try to be the best version of myself for my mother, um, mm-hmm. for my sister, for my cousins. Um, 
I have I come from a really big family <laughs> and uh, I have a lot of cousins and they're all Latinas and even my male identifying cousins right I feel I I was the first one to go to college out of my entire family wow. uh, most of us right now are first generation immigrants and I was the very first one to just go so when I go back home we for example, for the holidays, right? I feel like sometimes they think I've accomplished something that it's just, you know, a one in a million kind of thing. And I can even tell that sometimes when we're having conversations, they'll be talking about like human anatomy and they'll be like, so um, they call me Pao. So they're like, so Pao, what does this mean? I was like, oh, I actually, I, I studied economics. Yeah, <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but um, they, they, I could even see how they even feel a little intimidated to speak to me, right? Mm. So I feel like it's my job to tell them hey i know that it looks it looks hard right now and it looks so far and the people that you see right now in those positions look nothing like you and they sound nothing like you they must sound very eloquent and like they really you know went through a lot of years of education which of course some of them did you know but it's doable it's going to take time and it's going to be a step-by-step process but it's going to happen mm -hmm. and um, I think it's really important for me not to go back and say hey yeah I accomplished this but to take a step down and even kind of you know speak some slang and make sure mm -hmm. I create the safe space where they can ask me all the questions that they want yeah. and I do this with my little sister every time I see her we sit down and we have these conversations and um with my cousins I make sure that I try to answer all their questions yeah. and never make them feel like I've accomplished something huge because even though it is um if I make it seem like this unobtainable thing they won't be motivated to pursue higher education or to accomplish their dreams whether that's mm -hmm. becoming an engineer right or whether that's uh following their creative dreams which I feel like unfortunately even the latinx community right neither uh higher education or creative paths are very much incentivized right so mm -hmm. i think in both of those aspects just support overall needs needs to be shared definitely and i feel like sometimes when you think mentoring we think of it as like super you know professional and it has to be you know clean cut and we have to meet here have a meeting and it's like at the end of the day mentoring could be anything could be you talking to your cousins talking to your theas it could be you know uh, meeting a woman at a coffee shop and just talking to, you know just like with random strangers and it's like you could get mentorship from anybody around you it's just like you just have to get out there talk not be afraid to ask questions which is i know hard for a lot of people yes absolutely and Britt, you just took the words out of my mouth because um, there's no such thing as a dumb question. And even if you think it's dumb, you should ask that question. So if I can share anything about my, um, professional experience is that I used to be an auditor, right? And now I'm working within the diversity and equity and inclusion field. And that's a completely different field mm -hmm. because one, my degree on my resume still says economics, right? Um, and the way that I've been doing this transition is by, networking and doing informational interviews mm -hmm. and words cannot explain how much I have learned and not so much by oh I met this person who is making the pathway easier but I actually at first started approaching it with oh I'm taking up this person's time and they must be so busy they're such a busy professional but mm -hmm. I would send out LinkedIn messages and I would write and say hey I'm a huge admirer of the work that you do I was wondering if I can you know, ask you a couple questions. And I would ask these simple questions. I wouldn't go in there saying, so I've done this much research. And of course I've done my research, mm -hmm. you know, but <laughs> I wasn't trying to have this like crazy intellectual conversation. It was more of a, hey, I come from a vulnerable pace, place. Um, what do you do? You know, I wish I would have asked auditors when I was in college, what do you do? And more importantly, do you like what you do? <laughs> because when I was inside the firm and I asked people, do you like what you do? Am I the only crazy one? Does I hate my job. Do you hate your job? Everybody hated their job. Yeah. Everybody was like, well, I'm here on a visa or I've been doing this for 10 years. So, you know, I'm going to stick it out. I think it's so normal to get stuck in this world where you feel like you're the only one in this situation. And if you make this jump again, going back to I'm going to die if I make this jump. Right. But so many individuals out there are making career switches at such different points in their lives. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, with different safety nets there's people with no safety nets right and there there's people who saved up money or who have a partner you know who can help them go through this but i've seen a lot of people and my personal self i 
have nothing, Britt. I really, if I collapse at the moment, I'm I'm screwed, you know, <laughs> but um, I'm here and I'm surviving. And I think taking that yeah. risk has helped. But again, asking those questions, asking what do you do? What, what kind of skills do you need some what kind of skills do you think somebody needs in order to be successful, right, in this area? And do you enjoy, more importantly, do you enjoy what you do? And please yeah. be honest with yeah. me, right? Because you can be saving me another degree or you can be saving me, you know, a couple more years of just dwelling on this career path when you can just be brutally honest. So that's why when um, I actually get, to, now that we're talking about um, mentorship and I do sl- I do do mentoring um, and usually it's through LinkedIn requests. I sometimes get LinkedIn messages through people who say, hey, Anna, um, I've seen that you've done some work with the United Nations and I see that you're working within the equity field now. Um, How did you get there? You know, or I saw that you went through pick four. I'm considering it. And then I'm like, "Okay, (laughs) I have to talk to (laughs) this person. (laughs) Yes. I'm like, "Okay, let's (laughs) allocate two hours of your time and my time. And let's really discuss uh, what do you want? Right. And what do you want Mm -hmm. your future to look like? And then I'll tell you what it's going to look like if you do this this or this right yeah and um i think when i was doing informational interviews a lot of people really restrain themselves from being like this is what you have to do or this is what you don't have to do or this is what my experience was right Mm -hmm. um and i think of course it's really important to not impose or kind of you know influence or um give some bias to another individual but i think it's really important to be brutally honest so what happens is that i usually walk these young individuals through okay where was i mentally um mm-hmm. when i was in college and what what kind of um guidance and what kind of emotional and intellectual confidence was i lacking and what were my assets at that moment and what led me to go down that path you know and it's most of the time right uh, i get a lot of Uh, young professionals who are first generation immigrants right Mm. and they portray this thing that i call the um immigrant syndrome and basically it's i am going to take anything that comes at me because i just need to get ahead in life right Mm -hmm. and there's more complexities to it of course it's also this fear of I keep hearing the same things where it's like my family's dependent on me, right? Mm -hmm. I'm piling up the student loans. Um, I'm scared that I don't know what to do. I don't think I'm smart enough to do this, right? Mm -hmm. All these things that keep coming up over and over again. And I think the best thing that I can do at that moment is be completely honest and vulnerable with them and tell them, okay, this is where I was. And if you feel like you're you're also in a similar space, then most likely you'll end up how it ended up for me, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, and like- we we spoke before we started this podcast but it's just so important to just share those stories like regardless like everyone has different forms of struggle you know everyone has different types of privileges but it's like it's just so important to just talk about it to anybody and then it just gives you that kind of either comfort or some sort of advice that you're like oh I'm so glad that that person told me that Cause like you said, it saved me from getting another degree or saved me, you know, I was thinking one way and then now like just hearing from these perspectives, it changed my mind completely. I don't know if it's just such like an American way of life that we always have to have it figured out, you know, <laughs> Maybe. Yes. you know, yes, um, my mom, um, she's just like, what's, what's with you? Why are you so stressed? Why do you need to get your life figured out right now? You know, my mom is an expert and she's very spiritual. So she's huge on meditating and she's huge on doing nothing. She's like, if I'm going to spend a whole day doing nothing, I'm going to be so happy, you know? And mm-hmm. I'm just like, no, what do you mean? You're not going to do anything. You know, <laughs> I'm like, okay, what's next? What's next? Crossing things off my, my list. But there is a beauty in, how she lives her life and how peaceful she is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if she sees something that intrigues her, she will work on that for a while, right? And then if she no longer likes it, then she can move on to something else. And there's something beautiful to see that she doesn't think her life is going to fall apart. Yeah. Right? And like, it is okay to not have everything figured out. Yeah. <laughs> and if you do, give me a call because I don't believe you. <laughs> and then, yeah, give me their number. Too. I, 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 yeah, I want to speak with this person as well. Yeah. And so... I mean, we've touched on your family, your mom. Did they have any expectations for you? Like, do you have you had to go to college or professionally, or do you have any friends that kind of have expectations for you? Um, no, the answer is no. All that's a great answer. <laughs> all of my 
stress and not stress but i think all of my ambitious ambition and um all of my expectations have been imposed on by myself mm. and again in a really good way um in terms of making me a very ambitious person um and also making sure that my dream is to get ahead and bring more with me right mm-hmm. bring more people with me but also it's been it's been really rough because it's also been very saddening and very limiting because as i mentioned to you um earlier i'm physically hurt right now mm-hmm. i have a spinal injury from prolonged and intense sitting um i dislocated a disc and that was because um back in when I was doing my auditing work, you know, I would sit for these really long hours and then I was so desperate to get out that I would look for jobs from like nine to 1 a.m. and then be up at 6 a.m. so I can go to work again. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And I did this for two years because I couldn't take the time off to, um, you know, just look for a job without having another job mm-hmm. because my little sister was dependent on me. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, no, I think all those expectations were on myself and I can even go back to when I got accepted into um, all the four UCs that I applied to. And my mom said, you know, you don't have to go to college if you don't want to. You know, if you want to stay, you can stay. Yeah. And I really loved fashion back then. I mean, I still do. But back then, I thought it was going to be my career. Yeah. So um, she goes, do you want to open up a fashion store with me? And you (laughs) tell that to an 18-year-old. And you're thinking, yes. Like, yes, of course. Um, So back to this uh my high school english teacher miss williams she's an angel um i tell her hey so my mom says that like we're gonna start a fashion store together (laughs) and then she goes no girl she's like where do you live i'm like i live across the street she goes okay let's go so she closes up the class the classroom she walks across the street she knocks on the door no way my mom does not speak a word of english and my teacher only speaks english but somehow (laughs) through me translating she goes she has to go to college she's so bright and she kept repeating over and over she needs to get out she needs to get out and you know Britt now back then I wasn't sure what she meant by she needs to get out Mm -hmm. I thought she just meant like get out of the ghetto you know um but I know now she meant um you know where we were at was a beautiful place Orange County is just so rich in specific communities we're south we're so close to the border Mm -hmm. um but unfortunately the city that I was living in didn't have a lot of fun. So the schools mm-hmm. didn't have a lot of fun. So of course there was only about six of us who went to college, you know, after high school wow. and a lot of like half of the school went to community college and the rest just decided not to move on forward. So I knew what my teacher meant by she needed to get out. Yeah. And she need she meant she needed to experience other things. And she was right. Cause mm-hmm. God, when I got to college, it was a slap in the face. Like, what do you mean your parents have PhDs, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, maybe it's like, yeah, I'm sure your, your mom wasn't doing that to like, be like, oh, she shouldn't go to college. Like it was just cause she never had that experience, you know? So it's so good that you were able to have that teacher and kind of her mentorship to kind of push you and be like, no, you're leaving girl. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. And yeah. yeah, exactly. Like you said, I think my mom was just thinking about, oh, that's great. You know, but she, she doesn't, she didn't really know what it meant to have a college degree. Right. Mm-hmm. And the other kind of, kind of systems that are imposed out there. Right. And the amount of opportunities that are going, I was going to be missing out on. Mm-hmm. And I think it's things ended up happening how they had to happen because yeah, I'm everything always, happens for a reason. Yes, exactly. <laughs> everything happens for a reason. But uh, basically, no expectations from my mom. And um, I think my friends, too, they're if you were to ask them, like, where's Anna right now? They will 99 percent sure say, oh, she's working. She's either <laughs> in an office working. She's at home working. She's working on another project. She's trying to start a startup or she's like volunteering. Like, <laughs> they'll never say like, oh, I'm sure she's at home Netflixing. Just yeah, chilling. Yeah, no, yeah. never, never. Um, so, no, I think all the expectations have been on me. Yeah. And so kind of going in to our last and final question. I everyone, every woman that I've talked to, I think this answer is yes. I feel like you are have all been creating change for Latinas in the workforce. But I always got to ask, do you feel that you're creating change for Latinas in the workforce? I yes, (laughs) of course. Yes. Yes, I do think I am. However, I don't think I'm doing as much as I want to do. 
I think that's me understanding how many resources we lack, um, how we're already starting way below, right? We're, we're not where we want to be. Yeah, I'm in the field of diversity and inclusion, and even then, it's so hard to see Latinas in management roles. It's so hard to see, you know, Latinx folks out there um, directing companies, right? I can throw the statistics that I'm pretty sure you're familiar with, but it's not enough. And no, not nearly enough. Not nearly enough. Um, and I've had many conversations with a lot of individuals to why they think that is. Um, and of course it's, it's many different factors, but I think education is where it starts. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think as of right now, what I do within the diversity, equity, inclusion, accessibility, and social justice space, um, I do a lot of content creation, right? So I make sure that my content is educational. I make sure that my content is accessible, Mm -hmm. right? I make sure that my content displays values that are, you know, trying to uplift people of color, people who are part of minority groups. I think that's how I'm doing my part. Um, I also do a lot of uh, community conversations and community engagement. So mm-hmm. I'm part of, um, I d- help direct webinars where we have conversations about imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. right? When we have conversations about um, your mental well-being and how that's so critical in order to go out and save the world afterwards. Conversations about justice, right? What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Um, how folks who tend to have a lot of trauma when they're younger how does that accumulate, right? And how does that limit you? Um, and how does that develop into anxiety, right? Something that's so prominent and it's like, it's talked about everywhere these days. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think having those conversations, um, engaging people in those conversations is how I'm doing my part, but mm-hmm. um, I still have a lot of work to do. Yeah. For sure. And I think we all have a lot of work to do. I think as a community, as a society, I think everyone is responsible and everyone needs to work at it and try to make sure that, you know, everyone is included and everyone at the table has something to say and is heard. Um, And I just think it's so important. That's why, you know, I hope people listening to this can hear Anna's story and, you know, have some sort of inspiration and be like, she has done it and it's been damn hard, but she did it. And I think if you have, you know, that drive in you, it's you can really accomplish anything. Yes, absolutely. All right, guys. Well, that's all the time we have today. But thank you so much, Anna, for coming appreciate it um no thank you for having me of course um yeah so check out our next episode of she sip with a podcast thanks guys